Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. What up? Fran, are you ready to pod, man? Yeah. Let's get into this, man. I, I'm, I'm sick of fucking around, man. I've been, I've been packing all week, mm-hmm. been missing out on news. The only thing that I really know happened this week is the R. Kelly uh, interview. Mm-hmm. It, 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 Twitter, it had Twitter going crazy. It was, I don't... It's not what happened with R. Kelly was not funny, but what happened on Twitter to R. Kelly was hilarious. I mean, they were clipping it and putting it and all kind of things. I had a really good time watching other people absorb that interview with him and Gail King. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he thought that was a good idea. I don't know. I feel like when he left that room or when they left his room, he was like, "Crisis averted. I nailed this. This, you know, people got my side of the story." told people set the record straight and had these girls come out and say we're not being held against our will mm-hmm. wink wink and so i'm good now let me get back to my my music career mm-hmm. and it couldn't have been further from the truth that was the weirdest did you catch any of it i caught the the clip that's been going around and the two girls i seen a little bit of that yeah his two girlfriends yeah the the full one hour interview came out friday night i didn't mm-hmm. i missed it because cbs put it out live which mm-hmm. is what year is this? I think CBS is CBS and NBC and Fox. They're kind of going off of an old model. Probably a- ABC is a little more new, but they're like, well, real TV happens in the moment. Mm-hmm. No, put that shit on demand, man. I, I didn't. I wasn't watching TV at eight o'clock. Yeah, you know, so I missed it. Um, and I caught some other clips from other things that happened in it, where uh, other family members from the girls' victims and things mm-hmm. came out and were like, yeah, no, he was lying. We saw that earlier this week. Because, you know, they spaced it out. Like, uh, one clip came out probably Monday. Mm-hmm. Like, get ready for this. And he's sitting down. Uh, y'all, 30 years! And yelling mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And then Friday, the whole thing came out. So by okay. by the time Friday came around, everybody was had already kind of was like, let's get the whole thing. These clips are not enough. We mm-hmm. want to see the whole fucking full entirety of it. And uh, I missed it. But I did uh, see the clip that you're talking about with the two girls, yes. Mm-hmm. And just uh, at one point him his emotions uh people took and put on twitter was like uh he said uh somebody said uh sent me something that said i hog tie people i'm a hog tie i don't even know how to hog tie people and it's like come on man like nobody's buying the sympathy <laughs> thing this is not um 
the media trying to bl- bring another black man down. Like that ship sailed a long time ago, mm-hmm. and he looked like a liar. He looked like a huge liar. He got he tried to. He thought that if I if I get real angry and emotional, obviously people will believe me. So he stood up and yelled mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And Gail King just was stoic. That's that Oprah in her though. That's that she's 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 homies with Oprah. Mm-hmm. So that Oprah Oprah taught her well, and she stood there in that storm and was like, Robert, <laughs> you need to sit down like an adult uh, and let's have a conversation. No, I just I want the cameras to keep rolling. Is that the camera right there? He you could tell uh, he wanted to come on uh, TV and put on a performance for the world to see. He wasn't looking to answer any real questions. He wasn't looking to really give any details. He just wanted to come on TV and be emotional about how this is messing up, how he's the victim. He wanted to throw his narrative out there. Exactly. And it, it didn't work. Well, yeah. I don't want it. You keep it. Yeah. Keep your narrative, Robert. <laughs> keep your narrative. And then he went to jail immediately after the interview. And got bailed out. Somebody, apparently. <laughs> uh, they keep, I don't want to believe that these things are true, but they keep saying, oh, an anonymous fan yeah. bails Robert Kelly out for $160,000. Like, um, I, I didn't know uh, R. Kelly's music was backed by fans with just d- this kind of disposable income. Yeah. You know, because at my family reunions, I know before this whole thing happened, probably still, I still got some aunts that, you know, are like, I don't think he's guilty. Mm-hmm. They don't have $160,000 to throw away. They they got love for him maybe, but they don't, they don't have $160,000 to throw away. So I don't know who, he's got some wealthy fans in his corner because mm. he just keeps getting bailed out. Yeah. I would never drop $160,000. Like imagine bailing OJ out of jail with that amount of evidence and you're like... No nah, man, it's the juice. I just, <clears throat> I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And you, you take some money out of your account, six figures to bail out a person you don't know because you like how he runs a football. That's crazy as hell. But yeah, uh, um, it has been so funny. One of my favorite moments was he has like a crisis manager. So after the interview, like when he got arrested. They were at the precinct, and his crisis manager is like this guy with dreads, and he's mm-hmm. talking to the cameras. Yeah, this whole thing, he 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 didn't pay his child support. He's backed, so they put him. They under they arrested him for being backed on child support. And then a guy, they were in like a public, it's like it's like a public office, because mm-hmm. like the jail, and then I guess if you are you know on parole or something, you got to come to a meeting. Or I don't know. And a guy went to walk to go talk to somebody at a booth, but he was like. Excuse it was it was Chicago, so it was like, excuse me, Joe, I gotta get by and get over to the uh well you can walk that way. We're doing a I'm not walking past nowhere. You I don't fuck is you talking about? Like it got super <laughs> It was like this was on the news. <laughs> so he's like, I'm not fucking walking around nowhere, Joe. You tweaking, Joe. And it got real Chicago where it was like Oh, shit. oh he might have the he might have the hammer on yeah. him. So and the guy the guy with the dress tried to be like, Well, you know, uh anyways. He was like and then he so the guy went the way he wanted to go. <laughs> He didn't go around. You know how somebody might go, well, you're not allowed to go this way, so uh, you got to l- go turn around, go back, and then go around the long way. Uh, the guy was like, man, you can suck my dick. I'm going this way. <laughs> where was this at? It was at the precinct where R. Kelly no, got but I mean, like, where was In Chicago. Clip? No, where was his clip? Where did you see this Oh, clip? on Twitter, man. Oh, they had Twitter. all of it on Twitter. This, I was dying laughing. <laughs> so anyway, the guy goes b- from uh, through the camera like he wanted to go, mm. didn't listen to anything that guy said, wild him out with all kind of... <laughs> Profanities called him all kind of thing. Then when he's out of frame, you still you still hear him while the guy's trying to get back uh, on track. So anyway, whatever that. I don't know what the fuck he was talking about, bro. He got me fucked up, Joe. This motherfucker tweaking over here, Joe. And I'm talking about this is on camera, like news, live news, cuss words. You uh, know, it's live, so you can't bleed it out. And he's trying to get his composure back. Uh, so you know, yeah, we're just waiting on um, 
further evidence to be able to proceed from here. Uh, yeah, I fucked somebody up in here, Joe. They got me fucked up. I was like, oh my God, like this is amazing. This is uh, everything that people say about Chicago <laughs> is true. Like Chicago, people do not fuck around in Chicago. Roof. Don't tell me to turn around and go back. To, I, I'm I, Where I need to go is A to B. This is the straight line. I'm not going from A to C to D to get to B. Uh, I'm going through uh, from behind you. <laughs> and I was nice enough to say, excuse me, and you, no, you can't come this way. You got to go back. Man, I'm going wherever the fucking way I want to go. <laughs> it got real crazy. So uh, that was about all I caught, because like I said, if anybody uh, hasn't uh, known from a couple of, I, I put up a post about how I only had to pack left shoes yeah. on Insta- on the Affirmative Murder Instagram. I am going to Ireland in two days, so I've been packing and ordering Amazon things. So I haven't been able to keep up with much of the current event things, uh, but I was... <laughs> glued to that whole r kelly <laughs> the aftermath of it people uh, how people absorbed it and everything like that so that was very very entertaining but at the end of the day he's a piece of shit and i hope he goes to jail that's yeah. that's what the I, w- I want that to continue to be the message like let's laugh and all this kind of stuff and and and, and something funny happens it's funny and that's cool to you know get a laugh off but nothing about what that man did is funny uh, and he deserves to be in jail, and that's that's the bottom line. And from there, we can. La- I'm not here to be the laugh police or anything. I'm I'm laughing too, but as long as we keep that in mind, that this man did some terrible things, and he deserves to go to jail. Uh, I'm not. You know, I'm sick of the what about stuff. Well, uh, oh, y- y'all want to talk about R. Kelly, but what about Harvey Weinstein? I, I I genuinely believe all these other people who are not R. Kelly or not black entertainers, they'll have their day. If you don't think that. Uh, somebody's gonna make a Harvey Weinstein documentary if not j- because they have passion about the fucked up things he did because it's a hot topic right now and they'll make it'll make money if you don't think that's happening you're delusional they are waiting for the trial to play out and get all the evidence that they want to get and you know talk who see who see who wants to do interviews what celebrities want to be involved mm-hmm. victims of his it's coming Right now, it's just R. Kelly's time. And it seems lopsided because the two big ones have been like R. Kelly and Bill Cosby. But keep in mind, as far as I know, these are two guilty people. So it doesn't matter about race or whatever. You know, like if it continues to if Harvey Weinstein goes to jail and nothing ever comes out, no six part series on Lifetime. If, if it if nothing ever comes out, I'll be the first person to come on this microphone and say, wow, it's crazy, man. It's been five years and I never saw a Harvey Weinstein documentary or a documentary about, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, what's his name? He's so talented, but he did some crazy shit, too. Uh, uh the guy from The Usual Suspects. Mm. He's been out of the public eye so long, I didn't forget his name. Kevin Spacey. You know, like, Kevin Spacey got dragged through the mud. He doesn't have a career anymore. Now, did we get a docu-series or a movie about it? No, but he definitely didn't skate, get off scot-free. You know, so let's just give give full attention to all these pieces of shit and take them one at a time. But let's stop with the whataboutism, because that, all that does is kind of it feels like you're excusing somebody and I don't like that. Anyway, enough of that. Like I said, I don't really have anything else, uh, you know, in current events to talk about. Fran, you catch anything this week? Nah. All right, cool. Well, fuck it then. I don't care about what's current. So uh, <laughs> let's get into these good vibes and keep it going. That's right. Welcome to another segment of Good Vibes. We're trying to put that positivity into your life before we ruin it with that dark, fucked up shit that we love so much to talk about here on this platform. Fran, let me uh, go ahead and uh, rock your world with some of these good vibes real quick. Okay. So this week, my good vibes is about 
this uh, church in Alexandria, Virginia, that raised more than $100,000 to help dozens of college students pay off their outstanding debts. Mm. So this, this is two things that I, I, I care about a lot that I think is really awesome. I think, one, it's no secret that I have some critiques about the, you know, the churches in these black communities, in these inner city communities, whatever. I think a lot of these black churches are out to make money for self and not to put the money back into the community that they receive the money from. And it, a lot of these churches are more selfish than selfless. Mm-hmm. So this is an example of a church, for whatever reason, I like to think, because, you know, the Lord works and wants them to do positive things, helped all these kids. Because those student debts is a motherfucker. I didn't even go to a big-time college, but mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine being $100,000 in debt. That is yeah. a that's a that's that's a feeling of drowning I couldn't never really understand. I guess I own a home, but it doesn't feel the same. Like, mm-hmm. I am building equity with the loan I took, all, uh, I took out, and I'm, li- I'm living in it. And mm-hmm. it, when you graduate from college... And you don't get a job for a couple months or a year or two years. And you just have this piece of paper that said, you know how to fix computers, but you don't have a job. And you got, oh, I need my money. I need $500 every month or whatever. Mm. It can feel like, wow, uh, I wasted four years of my life, six years of my life, whatever. So I think that's different. I don't feel like I'm drowning because I own a house Mm -hmm. because it's working for me while I'm in it. Mm -hmm. But uh, that I couldn't couldn't, um, imagine what that feels like to just owe a bunch of money and and feels like you don't have anything from it. So t- for this church to come and alleviate that for 34 people and be like, hey, we got you here. Boom. We'll take that off you. You can now go on about your life debt free and, you know, try to become what you're meant to be out there without the stress of debt on your shoulders. They paying the whole thing or just some of it? Yeah, no, they paying the whole thing for 34 students. Now, you know, obviously, if they probably go to um, the photos at a Howard University. So I would imagine it's, you know, a Howard 34 Howard University students, but I'm going to continue reading because that's the best way to figure out if you're wrong or not. So the Alfred Street Baptist Church held a month long fast, a month long fast to raise the money, which paid off the debt for 34 students before their May graduation. Reverend Dr. Howard John Wesley, the pastor of the church, asked his 8,000 members, his 8,000 member congregation to fast, not only with their diets, but also with social media and their finances. We said we would pray as a church to what the Lord was telling us to do with the money and that we would donate 100% of it to outside of the church. Uh, this is what he told, and he's what he said in his interview with Good Morning America. Uh, so, yeah, so they basically they went to the school, found people to uh, donate the money to, and um, they went on, they want those people to go on and do amazing things in the world and know that we took care of the account for them. One of the students said her mom is going to scream when she hears the good news, which I would too. Like, oh, I don't have to help you anymore. I can go on a vacation or hmm. retire or whatever. Because, man, we are burdens on parents, man. Yeah. yeah it's people, and, and I'm not as much of a burden on my mom, thankfully, but it's people that are like 35 and it's sort of like, hey, mom, can I borrow some gas money? Or, hey, can I, I got to live at your house again. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're supposed to leave the nest. Mm-hmm. And then don't come back anymore. Don't come to my nest anymore. I want to walk around here naked. Whatever the mm. thing is I want to do is my house. I want to live my life. So you don't think your dad wants to be free in his house? I don't know. Maybe. I'm just saying. You looked at oh, me like, I mean, look, yeah. I said naked. Hey, you if I got to come back, naked in if the house? I got to come back, I gotta, I'm coming back. Oh. I don't, well, give a fuck. I don't give a fuck what he talking about. Oh, wow. All right. 
Okay, signing up. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck what I'm. I'm coming into your house. It's my house now. I'm gonna go back to my room. <laughs> close my door. Yeah, you can take all these damn car posters and shit off here and this, <laughs> this uh, work desk and get my bed back in here. <laughs> Uh, they went on to say, uh, we were in the car like homeless, she said. It was never one night I never saw her stop praying. This is the girl talking about her mom. Mm-hmm. I never saw her stop praying. Like she kept praying and praying and praying. And like her and like her courage, even though we were at the low of the low, she still believed in God and she still believed that there is going to be some miracle that's going to happen that we're going to get out of this situation. And this is a girl who has a college degree and mm. is living in a car. So it's crazy. What? Uh, so I want to give a shout out to um, this church in Alexandria, Virginia. Alexandria, very cool town. It's the Alpha Street Baptist Church. Like I said, they forgave the debt of 34 students. And this is the kind of stuff I, I don't like that this is... Uh, like, oh wow, this church. I want, I want to. I sh- we should be hearing these stories all the time because there are churches in Baltimore, literally, that take up blocks, mm-hmm. like, like take up a city block in the middle of. You go two blocks any direction. It's broken windows, boarded up wa- doors, and, and the houses are dilapidated, and the back of the house is falling off. But this church has a Mercedes Benz hearse, and you know the pastor drives a BMW, and the stained BMW. glass. <laughs> I know, I know, passes drive. Yeah. Pass. Oh well, I was I was being humble. I was being <laughs> yeah, humble. I I, oh, it's definitely you know mega. I'm just saying, like in Baltimore, uh, but still, uh, even in Baltimore, there's churches yeah driving you know yeah. Maybachs and yeah, all kind of I crazy. One of them. Yeah. yeah, craziness. You know. Uh, but the, you know, and then you talk about mega churches like Joel Osteen, and he has three jets and uh, Lamborghinis. Is that really? And, oh yeah, Joel Osteen is paid. He's now paid? he already was paid. No, Joel oh. Joel Osteen's church is in Houston, but he comes from money. Hey puppy, but Joel Osteen comes from money. Joe Osteen, uh, he comes from money, so he already was paid, but then oh, okay. he took that and made his congregation, and now he's paid, paid. Oh, okay. So he has jets and all kind of madness. Crazy. But here in Baltimore, I don't know many pastors that are like, I don't know any mega church pastors. Mm-hmm. I know church, I know pastors that are like making money the way a Fortune 500 company runner would make. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they make $500,000 a year tax-free, mm-hmm. which is very good living, but Joe Osteen makes like M's a year. Damn. Tax-free. It's insane. It's insane. Write it off as an expense for the church and you're good to go. You know, it's very wild. But these churches, they're in these communities. They're taking people's last dollar, Mm -hmm. promising them that when they get to heaven, hey, man, everybody's going to have what I got right now on earth. Is it it really taking their last dollar, though? A lot of people. If you're if you're, you know, doing it on your own. What do you mean? Like if I'm like, okay, you know, ties for the church and I give you my dollar. Yeah. Is that. That's not really taking my last dollar if I'm giving it to you. It it is when you when you think about what the stakes are, okay. because okay. because yeah you're they're not, putting a, gun, what, they're not putting a gun to your head but you're doing that because you want to go to heaven and and and, and when you die you want to go to this beautiful mm-hmm. place in the sky and this guy is saying that's why the plate the plate's being passed around it yeah. doesn't the person doesn't have a gun but they're like they're passing the plate around like I mean give what you can mm-hmm. but if but people who give go to heaven is what the insinuation is with the, with the plate and coming to church mm-hmm. and, and donating your time because a lot of those people all of them pretty much you know the 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 uh the the the, the, the bishops and the, all those people mm-hmm. and the ushers and all they work for free mm-hmm. they stay after cook food bring food to to uh have after service to feed the people that come they do all that out of their own pocket 
So it's not slavery. I wouldn't go that far. But I'm just saying, you're getting free labor. You don't pay taxes. And then people are giving you money mm-hmm. for the something that you're selling that they'll never know if you were lying. They're good as chicken. Yeah. Like the fried chicken that's it's, it's crispy, but it's also soft. Yeah. You know, like the, t- the skin comes off like KFC fried chicken, but it's homemade. Yeah. It's fried, but it's soft. I don't yeah. know how they do it. But then it's all the spices. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know what? Uh, kind of, you brought this up. So I, mean, I, I was at work. Couple days, like a week ago, mm-hmm. and there was a um, a magazine uh-huh. that for, is for churches. Yeah, and, they, and you buy the the white chips. What is it? What is what is that? Oh, called? like the body of Christ. Yeah. And, oh, okay. And, 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 the, the, and the, wine, the wine, the grape juice. I was like, this is a scam. I'm sorry, but you this can is buy a scam. it in bulk. You like can buy it in a magazine. Oh, come on. Yeah, but then see, you got to look at it how how they look at it is. Oh yeah, uh, it's it's a whole um, it's a whole network, it's a whole world. Like it's oh crazy. yeah, we running low on the body of Christ and on the. In uh, the the blood of Christ, go ahead, um, call that number up and our blood and body guy. Yeah, and you get the you know the little capsule of the grape juice that yeah. you rip the tab off mm-hmm. and you just sip it. Now you're not even getting it out of you know when like Catholic churches, you know, and I you know it's a lot of, whole bunch of stories coming out about you know sexual molestation of priests and yeah. it just keeps mm-hmm. getting worse and worse. But one thing that I remember very fond like not fondly but very vividly is like it was a it used to be more of a ceremony yeah. like the you come and drink it out of one goblet, like all the kids drink it out of one glass. Yeah, they still do that. Oh, they do? Yeah, Catholic oh, okay. churches, they still okay. do Okay, but like I've been to other churches where they just pass around. No. You just, here, take, <laughs> it's like a plate. Here, take a, one of these little pieces of paper uh, crackers off this plate mm-hmm. and take one of these little capsules of juice that rip the tab off. Oh, you know, it's like uh, school lunch. No. Where it's just, it's, they, they make it faster so they can give it to more people. Yeah. You Catholic, just put it, you Catholic know. is different. They got, they, you know, the pastor, that's what he's called. Yeah. Catholic church. Father. Dad, and then he, <laughs> he gets, he got a, he got a, a rag. And then he drank, drank, then he wiped the rag off. Oh. Next. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah See, that's okay. more, at least that's more ceremonial. Yeah. What you're talking about is what I've experienced in churches that I've been to that do that is yeah. like uh, Black the Sam's Jesus. Club. Yeah, the Sam's Club version <laughs> of it where it's like, here's uh, a thousand crackers on this silver plate. Uh, Take one, pass it around. Yeah. Like almost like they pass it through the pew, yeah. like give it to the guy that's on the end of the pew. Give them the plate. Yep. You take a cracker, put it on your tongue, and pass, pass it to down. the person next to you. Yep. And that's how they get all the crackers out. Mm-hmm. And then they the same thing with the tray of the juice. Here's the tray with the juice. Take a juice, pass it down. That's no. Nah. There's no ceremony in that. You got to rip the the, the tap. The uh, yeah. The, the this is blood. This in the blood of Christ. Christ <laughs> wouldn't put his blood in this little thimble cup with a with some aluminum foil over the thing. You got to rip off. This it. This is you. This is fugazi. <laughs> this is fugaziness, and it's like. It's uh, it's uh, doing it in like a, it's like a drive-through way of doing it. Yeah, it's like we can get, we can get through the service faster mm-hmm. as as opposed to bringing people up in a line and all this yeah. kind of stuff. But my whole point is, I want to see more of these churches and these communities that are taking money from people with the promises of these, you know, golden cities in the sky, and put some money into after-school programs for these kids. <laughs> You know, because how about we're sick of these parents having to go to these funerals because their kids got shot by the police because they decided they wanted to play, you know, hide and go, hide and go seek at 10 o'clock at night. Or they wanted to play uh, uh, Ding Dong Dash at night and just be, you know, because there's nothing else to occupy their time. And then they have a run in with police officer and they have a toy gun and it looked real. And how it's, it's, that's, it's too many of those stories happening mm-hmm. where we could try to take a lot of these kids frustrations and and built up energy and put it somewhere like a bring pow centers back in full effect you know more boys and girls clubs after school programs for these kids to do something instead of being on the corners and stuff i want to see more of that kind of stuff as opposed to you building a new wing on your church 
or we got a new fleet of hearses that are Cadillac hearses. I'm just sick of seeing these churches live in such excess and being lavish and around them is just extreme poverty and destitution and just sadness. Mm -hmm. And then people come in there hoping to for some salvation and you go, yeah, give me your money now. And then when you die, that's when you get salvation. Mm -hmm. And you'll never know if they lied to you because when you die, you can't come back and go, he's a, he's a bullshitter. How you know? You you'll never know. So it's like I gave you every dime I had for my whole life. I dedicated my life to your church and, you know, I was poor and I was sick and you told me to just pray on it and it'll get better when we see Jesus. And But they don't know. And so instead of taking their money and doing things that made them feel happy or and, and finding, you know, religion and, and peace and, 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 and spirituality within themselves, they trusted you with their salvation. Well, that's, yeah, but that person would be like, I don't know, but just in case, let me give you sell them on just in case. Yes, yes, and but I, but what it, a lot of these churches? What are they giving back for that trust? Nothing. A lot of these churches. Honey Bentley, you can look at. Yeah, you can look at how nice I'm living. <laughs> God wants me to live like this. I'm I'm a dis direct speaker from Him. Don't you want to listen to somebody who? Why would you listen to somebody who wasn't in a Prada suit right now and yeah. driving a Bentley? Mm -hmm. Would you believe that person giving you the word? You shouldn't. That's crazy. Anyway, I went on a bit of a rant there. Fran, the floor is yours for your good vibes. All right. Please. Uh, my good vibe this week is about an unemployment, an unemployed New Jersey man who is searching for a good Samaritan whose honesty helped him win $273 million God damn. dollar jackpot last week. Mm. So following a recent divorce. Mm. Say it one more time. Say it one more time. One more time. What? The How much? The, oh, 273 million Ugh. jackpot last mm. so following a recent divorce 54 year old Mike Warrensky, um to his ex-wife you fucked up I mean I don't know the situation right 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 you fucked up uh, <laughs> has been struggling to find a job but to no avail mm -hmm. his luck to, his luck took a turn however when he bought two mega million tickets lottery tickets from a convenience store in Phillipsburg New Jersey for two dollars each I need to know the uh, return on investment. That's a million times. <laughs> you get a million times. It's a million times. It's two two hundred million times the investment. Two dollars? Yes, two dollars each. And that's just like, well, let me try. Luck. Yeah, you got probably the change from you buying a payday or something. Got you a, a, a soda and a and a candy bar and was like, you know what? Let me get a ticket. Yeah, fuck it. No. Put the change on the ticket. So upon getting distracted by something on his phone, he left the store without taking his tickets. A mysterious stranger then found the tickets. Oh, well you Oh, if you Oh, if he never got that ticket back and he saw the news that night and they did the numbers, oh, he would kill himself. I don't I would have killed myself. Unless you remember the numbers though. You already what? So? You could play Mega Millions and just give me some random numbers. Oh yeah, you so he wouldn't know. He that wouldn't he won. have known. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but for me, look. I found some lottery tickets. Wait before you, before you say how you would feel, I don't know if you need to read more. Did he give the ticket? This person, this good Samaritan, give him back after the numbers were announced, or he just found the tickets and gave him back to the dude? Uh, it doesn't say. Oh, see, that's a key. Yeah. That's key. Because yeah. if I just saw a dude leave and left his tickets, I'd be like, "Oh, hey man, you yeah. dropped these." But I'm t if it's the next day and I know what the number, and I go, "What, man? Fuck him." Yeah, I'm yeah if I don't, yeah, fuck, yeah, fuck him. I'm not. I'm not gonna go look for somebody to give them away and hope they are nice enough. You know, you know how much hope you gotta have to be like, 
I hope he, you know, maybe gives me half or something like that. You're like, that was really nice, man. Here's $5,000. $5,000, man. I'm like, hold up. Drop that ticket. Yeah, you got to run me my fade. We about to strike. You got to run me my fade. You got to run me my fade. I'd rather, I don't want the $5,000. I want to get my anger out for you and disrespect me. I'd rather take that than $5,000. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. (laughs) Yeah, so a mysterious stranger then found the tickets, turned them into the store employees. Mm. Uh, Worski, Weirski, I think is his name, returned to the store the next day, verified that the tickets were his, and went home. He was later stunned to discover that one of the tickets he had won was was one of the tickets had won uh, to two hundred seventy three million dollar um jackpot. Yeah, there's no way that person knew. Yeah. They're accidentally yeah. a good Samaritan. Yeah, they were like, here's some tickets, uh, not convenience store man, and they were like, okay, cool. And then the guy came back, and then he no, nobody nobody knew. The he store, yeah, because yeah. the store owner would have kept the ticket too. Yeah, maybe sure. he can't. There's probably a rule that you can't. But if there isn't, and he knew, I would he would have kept that ticket. Yeah, or gave it to a family member. To say like, oh, I bought it. Yeah. Nah, nobody yeah, knew. Yeah, nobody knew because he didn't even know. Uh, so if it had not been for the integrity of the unidentified shopper, Wierski would not have would, would not have been a winner. And mm. now he wants to track down the stranger so he can offer that man offer the man a reward. He, I mean, you got to hook him up with five million. You got to at least <laughs> at least two hundred and seventy. That means Uncle Sam's gonna come get his fifty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know so. Two seventy, you 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 gonna end up with like one thirty. You gonna end up with one thirty five. Hundred thirty five million dollars. Come on, man. Give that man twenty million dollars yeah. to change his life. Yeah. But what's gonna happen now with this dude? It's gonna be like Cinderella. So I'm like, I found the ticket. It's gonna be like a line of people around the block looking to. Oh, saying they found it. Yeah, and then it's gonna have to have him and the convenience store owner at a, at like, like a, ta- a table. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, what date it was? Did you find the ticket? Yeah, uh, it was Wednesday. To- no, it was Tuesday. Oh, damn. Wrong. Next. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go to the tape though. I'm sure that by now they got true, true. Yeah, comes. of course, true. That's yeah. Good yeah. point. That's a good point. Uh, so he said, "I'm looking for the guy that handed them in. I want to thank him. I'm going to give him something, but I'm going to keep that private. So mm. I think he was going twenty to, mil. He, yeah, he gonna give a nice little chunk. Twenty, of twenty mil." So Wierski says the sudden financial windfall is a welcome a welcome stroke of luck following his long and unsuccessful job hunt. Mm. Ironically, he says that he finally got a call for his for his first job interview just days be- just days after he won the jackpot. You know, you know he laughed when he picked up that phone. <laughs> picked up the phone. Uh, yes, hello. Uh, hello, uh, Mister. What's his name? Oh, Wierski. Uh, hello, Mister. Wierski. Uh, we uh with, got some good news for you today. Uh, this is Tom over at the Value City and uh. We wanted to let you know uh, you're approved for that job as a stock room, uh, stock room manager. <laughs> <laughs> Suck my dick! I'm not working at Value City. I got valuable money in my bank account. $270 million. Oh, wow. Uh, well, okay, sir. Well, if you're changing my click, and fucking, you can't bang phones like you used to. Yeah. With, if you had a flip phone or uh, something uh-huh. with a bass. You just press that end button. And doo, 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 so it's not as strong. But he laughed at that person. Yeah, I probably would have went in, though. For longer. No, I probably went and I would probably went to the interview. To do what? I quit. I quit. <laughs> you would have took the job to quit. <laughs> I would went to the interview and be like, yeah. I'm not going to take this job. I just wanted to come here. Th- I'm actually worth $270 million. No, I, don't, I would never. Going there with my best outfit yeah. on. <laughs> I would never. I would wear never a pinky ring that I don't even wear. I would never work here. I bet his wife called him too. Is that oh, ex- most definitely. I think we can work things out. Psych! Yeah. Never! <laughs> uh, so he said, but now he plans on using the money to buy his mother a new car 
and Easy. take his family on vacation before consulting with lawyers on what to do next. What are you going to do with the other 135466 yeah. You talking about I mean, a put, new car? A car doesn't make a dent in that. A new car and a trip? And, That's him, a, and like him, the way he looks, I think he probably buy her like a new Ultima. Yeah. Buy her a Ford Fusion? <laughs> got your new Ford Fusion, my yeah. brand new, 2019. Now you got you still caked out beyond belief and your only two goals is a vacation and a car? Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. When he when you know when that when that uh when that deposit hits, the the dreams get a little bit bigger. Yeah. Right now it's a little, oh, it's just yeah. more fantasy. But yeah. when you open up your bank account, he probably has to get a new bank. You can't put a you can't put one hundred thirty five million in a Wamu account. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't you can't have one hundred thirty five million at Bank of America. You got to go crazy. to like something offshore. When that really hit and you see it. I'm thinking I'm gonna go buy me a yacht. You start really, I you mean, know, you really get the real aspiration. Like, you know what? Houses are so passe. That's houses are for poor people. I'm gonna live on a yacht now. Most definitely. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go buy a Lamborghini tomorrow. Yeah, right. you know what? I'm going Lamborghini shopping. My goodness. Only two hundred and seventy million dollars. I would check that. I would just check, I would sign into my bank account. Just look at it. Just look at it. <laughs> you know, it's let's crazy. go all the way. The, the numbers gotta be real small because yep. so it's so long. Oh mm, I was <laughs> commas and oh god. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. They yeah. say money can't buy happiness, but I, I, I'd like not. to find out. Yeah. I'd like to know for, yeah. personally. Yeah. I don't just want to take your word for it, Diddy. <laughs> so he said, I was down, and somehow now, all of a sudden, I'm up. I'm way up. <laughs> <laughs> way, way, way up. Fuck that. Stop your story. When we come back, we're going to talk about some fucked up shit. I'm playing all the way up. We'll be right back. <laughs> Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. All right, folks, and we are back. Once again, if you have not taken the kind moment out of your life and left us a review and subscribed on Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts, I'm sorry. We would greatly appreciate it if you could do that. And again, I don't have the full details, so I don't want to say it officially, but I would like to do a thing where, you know, if whoever leaves the most creative, the most funny, the details will come to me in a dream, I'm sure. The most creative, the most funny, something like that, review on Apple Music, we will send you a free Serial Killer t-shirt or something, or a sticker or something. Uh, Fran, the floor is yours. Please take it away. Okay. So, I got a little bit of a Maryland-Baltimore theme okay. this week. Okay. So, I got two stories. Uh, I'm going to do my first story first. It's, All right. They're both short, but the first one is longer than the second one. The second one is really short. Okay. Um. So, my affirmative murder this week is Reginald V. Oates. Okay. So, this is about, um, I don't know, have you heard of... Uh, Lincoln Lincoln Park. Lincoln Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Yeah, yeah. dude, I have heard so, about which is Lincoln like Park. What, a half an hour away from here. Yes, in Gwen Falls. <laughs> yeah, Gwen Falls. Yeah, yep. uh-huh. um, Gwen Falls, Windsor Mill area. Yeah. So, um, you know, it has that negative, that uh, that negative speculations of saying, you know, it's it's haunted there. Like well, a whole bunch found of because so found so many bodies. Yeah. There. yeah. <clears throat> so, at the end of the 20th century, Lincoln Park had an had like again had a negative reputation 
connected with with crime, and it was nicknamed the city largest unregistered graveyard. Mm. That was the nickname it was given. So they got a web page that was created of victims found in the park mm. that you can go on. And I, I was like, you know, I went to the page, and it got like a whole chart of these bodies. It's like 70 plus. Yeah, yeah, that they found. And then I just went to, you can go over and see it a post, you know, if it, if they found out who killed that person. Right. So I was like, it was a couple on there. And it was like, oh, this person was killed by the husband. This person was shot or something. And it was like, these three people was killed by the same person. I was like, wow. I was like, it was a like Reginald Oates. I was like, uh-huh. I'm just go to him and go to him and look him up. So I did that. But for the for people that's not from Baltimore and don't know about uh, Leakin Park, um, this aspect of the park has been referenced uh, reference, referenced in works of popular a popular culture set in Baltimore and episodes The Wire mm-hmm. and I'm guessing it was a scene where a police detective recalled checking the park for body earlier in his career and he was being told to only care about the victim that they are looking for uh-huh. and don't get caught up looking don't get caught up with these other bodies that you may come across yeah that sounds like something McNulty got told that's crazy yeah uh-huh. um, The Wire is such a good show yeah so he says um, we're looking he said in the show, we're looking for one body in particular. Mm-hmm. If you're if you go grabbing everyone you see, we'll be here all day. Yeah. Crazy. Um so also parts of this um parts of Lincoln Park as was in the um the nineteen ninety nine horror film The Blair Witch Project. Oh, that's was, where it was? Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. Um also for people who um are not from Baltimore or, you know, just want to find out more about Lincoln Park, there's this YouTube movie called Leakin Park, like Down the Devil's Well or something like that. Mm-hmm. If you type in Dan Bell. It's on YouTube, yeah. Yeah, so if you type in Dan uh-huh. Bell, it's, it's really good. I only yeah. saw the first part. I actually downloaded the second part to finish it to watch on the plane mm-hmm. on, to Ireland and watch the second part. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, if you type in Dan Bell on YouTube, he did a whole thing about a murder that happened in Leakin Park and uh, it's a two-part uh, YouTube movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk name. about it on the podcast too. It's called like, the podcast is called like Serial. I think that's one of the podcasts I listen to. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, about cool. that on there. yeah, yeah, Leakin Park, yeah. So, um, this is Reginald Oates. Um, this is gruesome. This, you know, it is kind of gruesome too. There's okay. some gruesome stuff in here. Uh, this gruesome and hideous story began in in the in April 20th, 1968, in the Baltimore Sun, and then more information was given in April 22nd of 1968. So, the neighborhood on Strokes Drive had been plagued in recent weeks of new of news of missing children. Several children had returned had returned home with the reports that they had been um, you know, they had been messed with a uh, a man who was sexually advanced to them. Mm. So on April 19, 1968, Baltimore City Police found the beaten and mutilated bodies of four young boys mm. in a section of Lincoln Park Damn. that was covered with thick, unbrushed woods, underbrush and woods. The bodies were located after two policemen arrested Reginald Vernon Oates of the 1100 block of Wicklow Road when he broke into when he broke in broke into a run as they approached him in the woods of off Oaks Drive. Not suspicious at all. Right. Once caught, once caught, the police found in his possession two brown paper bags, a small blue suitcase, and a gray lunchbox. Oh, wow. Yeah. One bag contained genitals of three young boys. Come on. Yeah. The lunchbox contained a pair of blue socks, a hacksaw, a hacksaw blade, a table knife, and a piece of metal about eight inches long, which which and one end turned under. Um, so it was an eight-inch blade that he turned into a claw, basically. Oh, God. Yeah. 
So Oates was an un, unemployed janitor who claimed he spent much of his time reading the Bible. Mr. Oates was charged after a lineup of police a lineup in police headquarters. He was arranged on 16 charges. Police police listed the murder victims as Larry Jefferson, who was eight, mm. um, and his brother Matt, who was five, who lived in the 2800 block of Raynor Avenue, Louis Robert Hill, who was 10, <clears throat> of the 3200 block of Phelps Lane, and Lester Watson, who was 10, of the 2800 block of Westwood Avenue. Damn. Police said that Hill said the Hill boy was murdered on Wednesday prior and the three other three other boys were murdered Thursday. Police said the other assaults took place April 10th, April 17th, and April 18th. I mean, so just... Yeah. It's like, sounds like, kind of sounds like the Atlanta Monster. I haven't heard of that one. That's, yeah. Uh, Wayne Williams is in... It's a whole t- podcast. It's pretty good. Um, Wayne Does what, he have glasses? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know yeah, uh-huh. about, yeah. I, I think one of us might even have done it. Probably. I'm not sure. But the, there's a podcast. You know, pe- some people, I'm one of them. They like the ones that just focus in on one case, mm-hmm. and that's one of them. It's called Atlanta Monsters, like you know, twelve parts oh, okay. that really break down the case and interview Wayne Williams in prison. It has audio and stuff. They did that, or they somebody they got clips of. No, no, the guy who did the podcast oh, interviewed Wayne Wayne Williams. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's very detailed. It's some kind con- people don't believe that he isn't. And it's that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. the podcast is good. <clears throat> Bodies of the three boys were found about half a mile north of the thirty-eight hundred block of Stokes Avenue, Stokes Drive. The fourth body was found about a city block away on a foot trail. No attempt to bury the bodies had been made, police said. Mm. Nor, nor had an attempt been made to cover the bodies where they lay on the ground. So he was just, just left them, just tossed here. Them. And yeah, I'm wow. going about my business. I'm going to the next. Yes. Yeah. Um, police said three of the bodies had been sexually mutilated. Mm. The boy's throat had been cut. One boy had been decapitated and his hands had been cut off. Oh, God. Police also charged Mr. Oates with attempting to rape and perform perverted practices on two girls who were 11 and 12. He was also charged with attempting to murder and molesting four boys, three of them seven and one ten. Jesus Christ. Yeah. According, according, to, the son, according to the son, all the victims in young Oates were, quote-unquote, they said in the, in the son... Negroes is what they call them. Oh, yeah, wow. Well, then this definitely sounds like the Atlanta Monster case then. Yeah. All black kids. Somebody's calling me. Don't they know we're doing a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's my pops. I think he might have heard me talk shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> you do what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Play. Uh, so, yeah, so in the sun, they, they said that all his victims in um, him were Negroes. Three... Uh, Three of the assaults charged against Mr. Oates involved the beating of three boys and on the Tuesday prior, police said the boys were enticed into the park to take enticed to the into the park to take part in a game of cowboys and Indians. So that's how they got them. Wow. Man. Yeah. Um Char- wait, 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 say that again? They had, they lured the dude, he, the no, grown man. No, oh, he, he lured died, the kids. Lured the kids into, yeah. Wow. So he could play cowboys and Indians. And wow. this was what, the sixties, so they, they was outside playing. Yeah, kids outside like, yeah playing okay, around. yeah. He likes to play games yeah. with kids, and he looks. Cool. I mean, he looks young himself. So, okay, yeah. Um, Charles E. M- Moylan Jr., Baltimore State's Attorney at the time, said his office would take charge of of the Oates case as quickly as possible to allow a defensive lawyer to make proper motions for a psychiatric exam. In November twenty third, nineteen sixty eight, issues of the Baltimore Sun were able were. Uh, 
Baltimore Sun, we are told that it has been decided that Reginald V. Oates shall be committed to a mental institution until his until he is fit to stand trial. Mm. He was committed to the Department of of mental hygiene by Judge Albert Schuyler after a review by eight physicians at Clinton at Clifton Parkins State Hospital deemed him unfit to stand trial. A check of the Maryland inmate locator does not list Reginald V. Oates. However, Reginald Oates is mentioned quite frequently in the in the Maryland Judiciary case search. Uh, his address is listed as Clifton T. Perkins Hospital Center in 8450 Dorsey Run Row in Jessup, Maryland. I mean, I don't know when this was written, yeah. this article, but, yeah. I mean, he could still be alive, you know. Yeah, uh, so every few years, he petitions the Maryland Department of Health and Mental Hygiene for his release with the latest peti- petition, which was in 09 July and August of 2010, and he was denied yet again. For sure. Yeah. So that was my first story of Reginald Oates. Wow. And uh, my second story is about, this is this is really quick, <clears throat> is about... Oh, uh, Charlie Davis is his name. So he's from Maryland too, but this guy's white. Charlie Davis. Is okay. White. Uh, so he's the son of a police lieutenant. Charlie Davis killed five women in the late 1970s in Maryland. Okay. The part-time ambulance driver. This is crazy. The part-time ambulance driver would stalk his victims until they parked in a vulnerable area outside of the store, outside of a store or restaurant. Uh huh. Then using his father's contacts would have the woman's license plate number run. So after obtaining the name of his soon-to-be victim, Davis would simply have her page claiming that her car lights were on. When the women came out into the parking lot to investigate, Davis would quickly abduct them, rape, and strangle them. Wow. So then what he would do was, seeking an even bigger thrill than simply rape and murder, Davis would dump the bodies in an open an open along roadways. So roadways in the open yeah. in, in his ambulance um, territory. So where he would work, he would leave the body there. So he would so then when back. they would call, when they would call, he would be one of the first ones to respond to the call and nobody imagined that the man coming to aid the woman did it. far too late, unfortunately, was actually the man who killed them. Wow. Crazy. That's incredibly crazy. <laughs> that's wild that he was using his dad's police contacts. Yeah. That's wild, man. Yeah. And And the craziest thing is I'm the kind of person where even if something hasn't been invented yet and I think of an idea, I'm like, a million other people are thinking the same thing. Oh, yeah. So that means there's other people who drive police ambulances or are police officers or do this, that, and the third who are using their connections and their uh, badge and all this kind of stuff to get away with doing crimes, hurting people and all this kind of stuff. It's wild, man. That's That's not an isolated incident. That guy's fucked up, but that fucked up shit happens all the time. You know, that's crazy. Border though. patrol agents who, you know, take advantage of women uh, who are trying to get across the border. They go, OK, well, I can take care of that if you look out for me in mm-hmm. this kind of way. Right. So it, it, people are going to abuse their power all the time. It's really, really gross and sick. Yeah. So that was my two stories of Charlie Davis and uh, Reginald V. Oates. Yeah, that's crazy. The, the, it's really funny. We wouldn't have done the same story, but I was looking at doing a leak, a story from Leakin Park this week. I didn't end up doing it. Um it's actually the subject of the the documentary on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I was gonna talk about that and Leakin Park. Hmm. I was gonna because there's not much detail about this guy. I can't remember his name right now. I'll tell you in a second. Uh, his name his name is 
the subject of the 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 documentary is called Leakin Park Down in the Devil's Well. Um and the guy's name is Vashon Conyers. He was found at a he was found burned in a well. Mm. Not even it's not even a well, it's a sewer drain. A sewer drain in Leakin Park and this happened last year. It happened January 2018. Nobody ever talked about it. I never heard about it and they it's still unsolved. He right. was they they dragged him into the park. I don't know if he was alive or dead. They set his body on fire and let it burn for a little bit and then dumped it in the sewer drain. And then he was found that, you know, the next day or whatever. And it's still an unsolved murder. And just people just go to this fucking well, park, I was, I was about to ask that. Why did they go there? Like, it's 1,200 acres. It's a lot of it's yeah. a lot of open field. So, that's I mean, crazy. you know, it's a dump site. And it's crazy because we were just talking about, you know, well, Baltimore's not New Mexico. It's not New Mexico can't just fu- st- stumble upon bodies. Well, if they ever decide to, you know, build some condos at Leakin Park, they gonna find a whole you're going to find a bunch of skulls and, and and all kind of shit, man. That's so I, I stand corrected. I take back what I said last week. Mm-hmm. You know, you can buy, you can bury a body anywhere. So, shit. Uh, so that was crazy. That was, that's it? Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. Those was two good stories, man. Two nice ones. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to close things out with uh, my fucked up story. And uh, so stick around. All right, and we are back. Before I jump into my affirmative murder, I will preface this with a listener's discretion because things do get a little graphic in my story this week. My affirmative murder this week is the story of Robert Berdella. The story is actually, I got my information from a story by Gabe Pauletti. Uh, he is a writer at allthatsinteresting.com. Kind of put it all together for me so I could really get the information and piece it together how I wanted to, so that was the, the basis of where I got my story this week. And here we go. <clears throat> so Robert Berdella grew up in a deeply religious Roman Catholic family in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, in the early 1950s. From a young age, Robert was a loner. His severe nearsightedness, high blood pressure, and speech impediment... Dang. <laughs> yeah, he, he, and this, I'm talking about the young age, made him an easy target for bullies in his neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of things to, you know, one of those things is, you know, we can get, if you got one leak, got one leak thing. Mm-hmm. I knew a kid named Kerry, he had leak. Le- mm-hmm. We liked him. He was cool. We didn't make fun of him. But if he had that and high blood pressure and he couldn't see, where it's like, I guys, I got to have a cookie because I'm really feeling kind of faint, guys. Mm-hmm. And don't go too far. I can't see. I'm like, oh, this dude is. Yeah. This dude is like easy pickings. <laughs> one of the, one of those things is cool. You know, who doesn't mm-hmm. like a kid? With, you got to have a kid with glasses in the crew. You know, yeah. make him do stuff that he wouldn't really feel. Guys, I can't go skinny dipping. Like, nah, man, it's funny. And then, you know, my mom's going to kill me. Then he does it and it's fun. And we all laugh and uh, he's laughing and comes out of his shell. Somebody with high blood pressure. Nothing's funny about having diabetes or anything like that. So that's not funny. No. And a lisp, that's not, you know, particularly super funny. It's a little funny sometimes. But then you got all three. <laughs> I don't envy that kid's uh, early growing up phase at all because no. kids, because kids can be cruel. So among his among his bullies included his own father, Dang. who would physically and verbally abuse the young boy for his lack of athleticism. I was about to say because he what because he wasn't tough or something. Yeah, he I can't knew it. see. I mean, like, come on, some things. Some of this is your fault, Dad. Yeah, I can't see. I have high blood pressure. I have juvenile high blood pressure, and uh, I have a lisp. Get me braces or something. I don't yeah. know. I feel like braces maybe fix speech impediments. Mm. Uh, that's that's from him not being athletic. Yeah, putting his projecting his feelings onto yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Also, if I'm wrong, somebody's going to correct me. I, I'm 
I don't know if a lisp and those things are speech impediment. I think maybe a speech impediment is a stutter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they might eat, maybe they're all the same thing, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Oh. Either had a stutter or lisp. Somebody. Either way, it's not like one of them's better than the other when yeah. you're a kid. People are going to make for you from fun of you if you have a stutter. People are going to make fun of you if you have lisp. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. Yeah. I remember, one time, remember that time that kid, Rajon, like had an incredible stutter oh, yeah. at the bus. He just gave up. That was, looking back, it was sad. It's sad looking back at it now as an adult, but as a kid, it was the funniest thing in the yeah. world. Well, he doesn't have a stutter, so. Yeah, he doesn't have a stutter, that's true, but he stuttered in that moment. Imagine that that was just his life all the time. He's going to get it together. Yeah, he wanted to say, where are we going after this, or something like that, and he just went, like, it just made his mouth freeze, and he tried it two more times, he just went, fuck it. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing. I never seen my, like, when he said fuck it, he meant it. Like man, fuck what I was asking. Don't even, don't even worry about it. <laughs> right. I don't, it doesn't even matter anymore. It really just, dis- really did something to his self esteem <laughs> in the moment. Like, shh, never mind, man. Just, just keep whatever. Just keep having the con- just fuck it. Right. So uh, I can understand how if you had it all the time, it would be like rough. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So he was catching it from every angle: parents, kids, everybody. Uh, however, by his mid-teens, Berdella had begun to gain some confidence. He had realized that he was gay, hmm. and though he kept his, he kept this a closely guarded secret, it gave him a self it gave him a level of self assurance because it's like I know who I am. I know. I know he's yeah, dad. I, no, I'm sure not. Dad don't want you to be an athlete. I mean, you could be gay and be an athlete, an athlete. So, but it's not, it's the 1960s. It's just not the time. To yeah. Maybe tell your dad. Old school. Him or something like yeah, or, some uh, or abandon him or killed him like yeah. Marvin Gaye's dad. You know, but uh, so. Uh, but you know he knew who he, who he was inside and he goes yeah you know I know what I I don't, I don't I don't have any confusion anymore I know why I'm not like the other boys because yeah. I like I like boys or whatever you know I, I understand that about me now so it gave him this level of self-assurance now the way that that came out of him is not the best because it made him rude and uh, condescending and it was especially came out towards women so he was very it made him let's say he became a sassy gay guy mm. where's it so, don't you think you're cute today well those shoes are old and just <laughs> walk away and make people feel bad you know uh so he had that kind of that that uh rudeness and condescending energy is something he would carry with him for the rest of his life in 1967 Berdella graduated from high school and started attending the Kansas City Art Institute in college, he was finally able to express himself and was open with his homosexuality. Though he displayed artistic talent, he quickly got caught up in drug use and low-level drug dealing. Low-level was it? Some dime bags? Sell a little, sell a little dirt weed, selling some mid, you know, little, 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 you know, skunk weed here and there. Is that worth it? If you're broke in college, <laughs> I would imagine so. Oh, okay. Well. You know, because college is the grind. You don't have time to work and you got to do these mm-hmm. projects and you just can go to somebody's house and give them a couple dimes and make $20. $20 you didn't have. Yeah, true. You know. Also, when you're like, you know, you're white in Kansas City and college campuses, man, weeds, selling weeds, not as, you know, it's just everybody sells a little weed, man. It's the peace and love era, man. You know, it's not <laughs> like a big deal. <laughs> what is this, the 60s? Yeah, 67. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why that's why I use three mans. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's why I use three mans. <laughs> three mans specifically. Um so uh like I said, he was doing he's selling drugs and he was he was talented at art, but he was a little weird. So it was also during this time that he began torturing and killing animals. Up. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yep. That's the red flag number one. Yep. Uh big one too. 
after he received harsh backlash from the administration of the Institute for an art piece where he tortured, killed, and cooked a duck. Verdella, like, he did that live. Oh, shit. Like, this is my project. Did I get a B or an A? You know, you are... I'm calling the police on you. (laughs) It's insane. What is wrong with you? He tortured, killed, and cooked a duck as his his art piece. Mm. And modern art is kind of crazy. I don't know how much... If you've ever seen a documentary on, like, what art is these days, but art is kind of just, it's all a lie and this vanity play and people, it's not about if the art's good, it's about if the artist has a story. And mm-hmm. a, So I could see this kind of, I could see this being something that makes a bunch of money now, where everybody comes to a, a gallery to watch this person kill a duck and they're like, oh my God, it is so profound. It changed my life. It made me realize my own mortality. And it's like, oh, he just, people? yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> like a room full of rich people being like, oh, my God, this is so raw. This is changing me. And it's just a dude killing and cooking a duck. Yeah. And torturing is the weirdest part. So. Uh, <clears throat> so with that, uh, he left the college after that because he was. they don't understand me. These people don't know what art is. I will not stay here and stifle my creativity. I'm leaving this bullshit school. So he left the school and he moved to Hyde Park in uh, the Hyde Park neighborhood in a house in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, using the context he made through his extensive pen pal relationships from his lonely childhood, which makes sense because, you know, people can't tell if you have a speech impediment through writing Mm -hmm. and they can't tell if you have high blood pressure through writing and they can't tell that you're nearsighted from writing. So, of course, he's writing to people from other cities and stuff. Like, I'm really awesome in my hometown, but I decided I wanted to make friends. So I'm on the football team and I can see really great. And I also don't have high blood pressure. Just lying, probably, (laughs) I assume. And they're like, oh, cool. So he he used those connections from his childhood, as well as his knowledge of art. Uh, he used these things to open a store called Bob's Bazaar Bazaar, which, you know, I'm going to get into the fucked up shit that he did. Dope name. Uh, I love that name. It's very creative. I, the, the triple B's, you know, it's very, you know, rolls. It comes off. It's very onomatopoeia. It's busting. It's strong. Bob's Bazaar Bazaar. So at this place, it was a place where he sold art, jewelry, and antiques from around the world. Throughout the 1970s and early 80s, Berdella spent much of his time with male sex workers, drug addicts, petty criminals, and runaways that he claimed to be mentoring. In reality, he was engaging in manipulative sexual re- relationships with young men. And the reason that I picked this story was because there's this guy named Ed Buck in California who's this Democratic donor. He Democrat. He donates a lot of money to the Democratic uh, Party. And two black, young black, you know, sex workers, people believe that that's what they were, have overdosed in this man's house in the last, like, two years. And he just keeps getting away with it. He's just like, oh, I don't know. They, they overdosed. I don't know. But I think in a, when I get into what this guy that I'm doing, this, this the Berdella guy, what he did, I think, is a more extreme version of what I suspect is going on in Ed Buck's house, which is that he's bringing these sex workers in from off the street, black, young black kids, paying them money and then, you know, going too far with them, maybe giving them too much drugs, maybe torturing them. I don't know. But I just something weird about that. One person overdoses at your house. That's weird enough. It happens twice in two years. You're doing something. You're giving people bad drugs, or you're doing it on purpose, or something's something weird's happening. Is he having sex with them? Yeah. Oh. Okay. But we don't know all the details because he's oh, not okay. in jail or anything like that. It's just he just keeps kind of getting the, you know, it's like oh that's crazy. Somebody overdosed again, and then he hasn't been arrested or anything like that. It's pretty crazy. Mm. But that when I read this, it reminded me of that. So I was like, I'm gonna do this affirmative murder. 
So, you know, for those of you who aren't aware of Ed Buck, just look it up and you'll you'll get the details. I can't I don't really have the full details in front of me, but I know people keep ODing at this guy's house and they're young black dudes and he's an older white guy and it's weird. So uh <clears throat> Berdella used his money and influence to create an an imbalance of power that he would use to control these young runaways, many of whom had been prostitutes or had been sexually abused. So he was, you know, using his money to manipulate people who mm. were coming from rough situations and maybe needed a place to stay or needed money and he's like i'll give you money but you do what i say uh then in 1984 Berdella claimed his first victim jerry howell howell was the 19 year old son of paul howell one of Berdella's acquaintances from his art dealing business on july 5th of that year Berdella offered to drive the young howell to a dance competition at a neighboring town on the way Robert Berdella bombarded the young man with alcohol and then drugged him with Valium and other drugs. He tried, he tied Howell to his bed for 28 hours, Dang. during which he repeatedly drugged, tortured, raped, and violated the youth with foreign objects. Ignoring his desperate pleas for Berdella to stop, he continued his torture until Howell finally asphyxiated from a combination of his, of his gag, the drugs, and his own vomit. Mm. After Howell died, Berdella butchered his body, mm. leaving the corpse upside down overnight with Over cuts drain. in the yep, mm. with cuts in the major arteries to drain the blood, and then dismembering the body with a bone saw. Dang. He then placed the pieces of the dismembered body in separate garbage bags along with assorted other trash and left them out on the curb for the garbage men to take away. Like nothing. Like, like nothing and the fact that he's like fucking Dexter, man. Who thinks of all that stuff? hang the 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 body parts upside down so they drain so the bags don't fill with blood and leave a trail out on the garbage out on the curb and then put them in separate bags with other trash mixed in so it's not suspicious while they're heavy and it doesn't the bag's not shaped like a leg mm. it, i mean for this to be his first victim i'm kind of questioning that cuz he's very well versed in how to get yeah. away with it that's a very clean first kill study that's true and also, if he's killing animals, maybe that's how he got rid of animals. Damn. And it, it worked with animals. I might go home and finish Dexter when I leave here. Yeah, that's very Dexter. That's very like the first season, the ice cream killer or whatever. That's very, you know, the body the bo- the, the body parts are just no have no blood in them and shit. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Um, throughout this process, Berdella kept detailed notes of how he raped and tortured Howell on a stenographer's pad. Something he would continue to do for all of his victims. His next victim was one of the drifters that Berdella had taken care of and exploited for years, Robert Sheldon. The 23-year-old man arrived on Bordella's doorstep on April 10, 1985, begging Berdella to let him stay there. And he got what he wanted, you know. Uh, Berdella was not attracted to Sheldon, and though he did not rape him, he did restrain and torture him. With Sheldon, Berdella began his experiments on using chemicals to weaken his victims leaving them helpless to his machinations. Oh, I thought I thought you were about to say he only he tortures him a little bit if he doesn't like him, but if he does really like him, he goes all in on him. Oh no. He goes all in on everybody. Regardless. But okay. if he doesn't like you, he might not rape you. Oh, is oh. with this guy. So I didn't even Here's what he did to Sheldon. He bound he bound Sheldon's wrist with piano wire in an attempt to permanently damage the nerves there. Mm. He put drain cleaner in his eyes and filled his ears with caulk. Caulk, not cock, just to be clear. 
He didn't like him that way. So he put <laughs> he put caulk in his ears. Put piano wire though. Yeah, that's real. That's, de- so that's real despicable. To like, well, he tied it up real tight, and that piano wire kind of sharp. It's almost like a guitar string. So it really cuts into the skin. So not only does it cut the circulation off, but you're fucking up the veins and the, all that kind of stuff. But that's what I mean, though. He could have just used some rope. That's not what he he wanted him to be I, mutilated. But that, I mean, but I mean, for me, I wouldn't be like piano, piano wire. wire. I wouldn't. You just don't think I'll see. You're not an artist. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm not a serial killer either, so. I don't know that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he also placed needles under Sheldon's fingernails. Mm. When workers were scheduled to come to his house, uh, Bob decided he would suffocate Sheldon and dis- and dissect his corpse before disposing of it. So that's just his M.O. now. The following June, Berdella committed... Another brutal murder of one of his runaway acquaintances when he found Mark Wallace attempting to sleep in his shed. Berdella drugged Wallace and subjected him to high voltage electrical shocks and stuck hypodermic needles into his back. Does he have like a whole setup or? This is his house is his setup. This is like Saw. Yeah. This dude is sick. Many different types of fucking... Ways he killed torture people. methods. Torture, yeah. yeah. Wallace died after a few days of this unrelenting torture, and his body was also dismembered and disposed of. The next month, a number of, an, another of Berdella's acquaintances contacted him, wondering if he could stay at his house. Why does everybody want to stay at this guy's house? <laughs> this is crazy. They're not getting the message. Guess not. People keep coming. Like, oh, we saw a kid here last week, and he's not here anymore. We don't know where he went. Maybe they hear false stories saying, you know, these people go there and live, and then they... It's great. It's great. I don't know. People, people, phone won't stop ringing. Hey, man, can I come live with you? Yeah, for sure. He didn't have to do any work. No, they're coming to his house. <laughs> it's insane. Found people living in the sheds, and other people coming and begging them to stay there. It's insane, man. This is it's really crazy. So uh, uh, this guy named um, James Ferris, he asked if he could stay there. Uh, his name was Walter James Ferris. When Ferris arrived at Berdella's house, he tied him to his bed and tortured him by shocking his genitals with 7,700 volts of electricity for two days. Two days? Until he died from the abuse. He electrocuted Damn. his man to death on his nuts. It's insane. I mean, how did the neighbors not hear? He's living in a single family home. It's true. You can set it up. His, uh, this guy's yeah. smart. The next year, Berdella ran into Todd Stoops, a former male prostitute who had stayed with Berdella in the past. Mm. I mean, I mean, like this guy's house must be must be awesome, other than these rooms that it's he's probably doing. super clean too. Yeah, I would I would imagine so. Uh, so he had stayed with Berdella in the past at a near at a nearby park. I'm thinking that means they had just had sex with each other mm. at a park. Um. Berdella brought Stoops back to his place to grab lunch. And then they had lunch, they had finger sandwiches, and then he never saw him again. He left, and that was it. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what happened at all. I don't... So he must have been his buddy. No. <laughs> no, I was I was being facetious. This guy's a sick animal. He, he didn't let him go. What actually happened was, uh, when they got to the house, Berdella drugged Stoops and kept him trapped in his house for weeks. Mm. He attempted to turn Stoops into a submissive sex slave, trying to 
trying to incapacitate him through electrical shocks to the eyes and by injecting drain cleaner into his larynx in an unsuccessful effort to render him a mute while repeatedly raping and sexually assaulting him. Wow. So this dude was just doing like crazy experiments on people, just seeing if this would work, mm-hmm. trying this, trying that. Stoops eventually died of blood loss after his anal cavity was ruptured by Berdella's fist. Wow. Ugh, that's... Yeah, I, I mean, I warned people. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's insane. That's gross. In 1987, Berdella continued this attempt with 20-year-old Larry Wayne Pearson. I was just about to say 20 other people. No. I was say, damn. No, that would be... That would be nuts if 20 other people were like, hey, can I come stay at your house? And it just kept going that long. Uh, This was 20-year-old Larry Wayne Pearson, an acquaintance he made while working at his shop, Bob's Bazaar Bazaar. That's the spot. That's the hot spot. Yeah, I mean, apparently, you know, (laughs) and very lucrative, apparently. This this doesn't sound like a a cheap uh, endeavor he went into with these killing people and chopping them up and everything. Uh, Berdella decided to kill him after piercing... Pearson jokingly referred to his practice of robbing gay men in Wichita. So I, this was like justice to him. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you rob gay people, huh? Why don't you come over for dinner tonight? Mm-hmm. So he drugged Pearson and continued his torture practices aimed at incapacitating his victims, such as blinding, electric shock, and injecting drain cleaner into people's larynx. He did all that to him. He also broke one of Pearson's hands with a metal bar. Mm. Which is something biblical about that, about, you know, you know, to me, they didn't go into detail about why, just as kind of was just kind of an aside a comment about a detail. But it's like, if he steals, you know, what I mean, like they he took the hand that steals mm-hmm. It's how I read it. When I read that, it's like, oh, he steals from gay people. So I broke your hand so you can't steal anymore. Mm-hmm. That's how I took it. But they didn't say that that's why he did it. He might have just been like, man, fuck your hand. Bang. And just, <laughs> this dude was doing whatever he wanted to do. Uh, uh, after six weeks of rape and torture, Pearson Damn. finally snapped and bit deeply into Berdella's penis during an act of forced fellatio, which, fuck yeah. That's now, what you gotta do, man. Yeah, now, I, I, I don't know. We ha- we've had this conversation. I don't know if it was on mic, hmm. but you, about uh, if a guy came with to you at gunpoint mm-hmm. and was like, suck my dick right now, mm-hmm. you said that you wouldn't do it. I wouldn't know. And I said... That I would, mm-hmm. and then I would, I could, def- I could, I could attack him in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, lure him, get his get his sense of his his senses down yeah. because I'm giving him the fire top. Yeah, and completely, then completely inappropriate. Yeah, what do you mean? It's disgusting. Man. So you would just die? Headshot? Head I wouldn't know. That's it. Bye. I feel like this is the same. Now I'm, we definitely had this on air yep. because I then countered you with, but you have a child. See, you keep bringing that up, but that's not what we're talking about. No, and see, and that, and that's how you tried to worm your way out of it the last time is by going like, no, in this world, in this other world where this happens, I don't have a child. This is hey, an alternate man. universe. Like, no, this is this universe. You have a child, and a man has just approached you with a gun saying, suck my dick or I'm going to kill you. I stay consistent, man. Look, we're not talking about that. This is talking about a fake world. No, that's not, we're, not talking about, <laughs> we're not talking about a fake world. We're talking about real world. How much do you care about your life? I can't believe my life. Yeah. I'm gonna slob on that knob. And then when I get his senses down, I might bite his whole dick off. And now the upper hand has gone to me. And now I am the one in control. I take okay. the gun. Now you get on the ground. Mm-hmm. Now when the police come, I have a crazy story to explain. Well, it's just like a dick on the ground, and this guy is full of bullets, mm-hmm. but I live to see another day. Maybe. Well, he just kills you anyway. You gave this man fire top for for no reason. To die. Yep. 
You've presented a better argument with that than with <laughs> another universe. Yeah. But we wouldn't know, so. We wouldn't know. Yeah. And hopefully we don't ever know. Yeah. But I'm prepared for any event. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight for uh, my life. I see. I'm going to fight for my life. I see that. For whatever that uh, iteration of it is, whatever those circumstances are, I'm going to fight for my life. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, so he, he um, bit into his penis after forced fellatio, and then Berdella beat and strangled Pearson to death. Pissed um, him off. Yeah, you know, nobody yeah, likes teeth. He pissed him off. Uh, on March 29th, 1988, Berdella abducted his last victim, a 22-year-old male prostitute named Christopher Bryson, who he had solicited for sex. Once he arrived at Berdella's house, he knocked the sex worker unconscious with a metal bar and tied him up. Mm. Bryson was, subject- was subjected to the same torture and abuse methods as Berdella's previous victims. Mm. But Bryson knew how to gain Berdella's trust. Mm. Eventually pers- persuading Berdella, you know why? Because he was given that fire that fire top when he demanded it, and being like, "No, I like this. You're not. I'm not your prisoner, even though you have me tied up. Like, I like being here. You got to try to, you know, switch the roles. Yeah, switch the roles up. I like it here. I love you, man. This is a great situation." And then he went, "Hey, but can you tie my hands on the front? Because it's not comfortable with my hands tied behind my back. I, it's just something. I got a bad shoulder. And can you tie my hands on the front? Once he did that, uh." And so they were tied in front and rather than back behind him on the bed. Mm-hmm. Once he did that, Berdella accidentally left a box of matches in the room. Bryson grabbed the matches and burned through his uh, his ropes. When he left out? Yeah. Okay. Uh, a quiet uh, a quiet spring night in Kansas City's historic, historic Hyde Park neighborhood was shattered when Bryson, wearing nothing but a dog collar around his neck, leaped from a second story window of Robert Berdella's hell house. He crashed to the ground and ran to a nearby meter maid who called the police. Mm. You know, you just give somebody a ticket because their meter just expired and you just like, <laughs> and somebody falls two stories, hits the ground butt naked with a dog collar on and runs up to you. I'm running. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be of assistance, man. You, you don't even want to know. He looks like he's crazy. How am I supposed to know? <laughs> How do I you know remember that? Jack, you remember Jackass? You remember that prank they used to do where like they pull up to a gas station and they'd have one of the guys oh, in the, the trunk. trunk. Yeah. yeah. Like, like in a, dressed in like a, from a, uh, an insane asylum. And people would just run in their cars or go run into the gas station. That's like, <laughs> the, that's you. You'd yeah. be like, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what this is. The little midget jumps out of a window. I'm running. Well, he wasn't a midget. But well, he, so you're making it more kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was just a dude with a dog collar around his neck. <laughs> Naked, butt ass. You know, that's crazy as well. That's also wild. But I'd be, you know, if he help me, if they were saying help yeah. me, you gotta yeah, help. That's you know? <laughs> but you coming at me saying yelling help me, I'm still like, yeah, I'm like, hey man, whoa, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna way. say, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna put my hand out, say, hey man, I'm gonna help you, but stay arm's length, yeah. give me my space. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm gonna crack that meter bag. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah, like, yeah. machine I got. Yeah, <laughs> look, man, <laughs> I'm gonna help you, but don't stay back, okay? <laughs> so police secured a search warrant and proceeded to discover a myriad of horrors inside the this unassuming house. Mm. Opening a second-story closet, they discovered a human skull what? as well as human vertebrae marked with marked where they had been cut with a bone saw. So he just had spines in his closet. Just hanging on a hanger? I don't know if they were in a hanger or maybe in a pile on the floor. He probably know. turned them in like to put the hook of the hanger on to the top of I it. Mean, and just I, have mean, I mean, he is, a, he is a homosexual artist, so I wouldn't put that past him. That he, like, hangs his clothes up and on And have the skull on sitting on top of the shelf. Yeah. On top of the... the it was probably some Art Deco shit crazy. going on. It was probably some Art Deco shit going on in there. You know, yeah. spine hangers. 
That'd be crazy. Where you, people come in, they're like, oh my God, Bob, these these hangers are so cool. Yeah, I made them myself. Out of what? Uh, you want some pie? And just change the bar, the bar in the closet. The whole bar is a spine. And then it's got that notches, because you know, spine's got that notches. For the hangers. You drop the sit. hanger right into the notch of the spine, into the vertebrae, and then they won't move. There's no sliding. No way, no way we thought of that and he didn't. That's probably, we probably just figured it out. We probably just painted the scene and that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah, no, no. That's, that that makes absolute sense to me. Yeah, so what did they say what happened when, did he go back up to the room? I wish it was like a movie. Did he go back up to the room and notice that the window was busted out and the guy was gone or? Oh, you mean Robert? I mean, yeah. I mean yeah, no, I don't think, I don't, they didn't, they didn't give that detail of like him being like, okay, who's ready to suck my dick again? <laughs> you know, and then it's just like empty and the the sheets are, have burn marks on them and it's smoky because he burned his ropes off. Yeah. <laughs> Bob was definitely like mad when he yeah. came back to that room. Yeah. Um, Let's see. So, yeah. So they found, you know, vertebrae and skulls. And uh, in the backyard, they discovered another human head buried in the ground, mm. partly decomposed. And when they ventured into the basement, they found large barrels stained with blood as well as the personal belongings of two missing people and a stack of Polaroid photos depicting naked men being sexually assaulted and tortured. Wow. So he had he had photos. Like I said, he kept a journal of like yeah. the details of mm-hmm. everything. So th- they had all the evidence they needed. They also found his stenographer's notepad meticulously detailing the abduction, torture, rape, and murder of all six men from around the area. This house for, at 4315 Charlotte Street will forever be associated with the Kansas City Butcher. Is it still up? That I don't know, oh. but I wouldn't be surprised in this day and age if they hadn't torn it down. It's like a museum now or some kind of you you can do a tour and ride past it. And people, you know, will take advantage of uh, money making opportunity, especially in Kansas City where there's nothing really going on. Mm-hmm. You know, like what else is there to do in Kansas City? They probably kept it up in Kansas City. I bet, you know, and then it's like one of their big you got to go see the, the uh, Kansas City Butcher's house yeah. on a tour, you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like I said, uh his house will forever it will it will forever be associated with the Kansas City Busher. That's what that's what his name uh, that's the name they dubbed him. Mm. One of the most deranged serial killers in history. He's white. Oh yeah, you couldn't yeah. tell. <laughs> I just wanted to be clear. He's, yeah, no. I just wanted to be clear. This yeah. this is this these are this is a white serial killer. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, after collecting evidence from the house and questioning the suspected killer, Robert Berdella was quickly arrested and charged with the murders of six men. Berdella accepted a deal where he pleaded guilty and revealed everything he everything about the vile murders in exchange for life without parole, avoiding the death penalty. Mm. He died of a heart attack while incarcerated at the Missouri State Penitentiary on October 8th, 1992, at the age of 43. Uh, this was after this was about a month after he had been complaining to um, like the higher ups, like the warden, that they weren't giving him his heart medication. Mm. So, so, oh well, hey. But how uh, do yeah. people like him? How do you fight that? How do you equal out that urge when you in prison? Like, how do you fight that? I know it was like I don't know if you do. I don't. Probably I, drives them fucking crazy. Yeah, and and I, yeah, probably it's it's an it's like an itch you can't scratch. You're stuck in a jail cell, constant surveillance. You can't <sighs> do that. But um, when you're this kind of person, they probably had him in nine solitary confinement oh, anyway yeah. you know it wasn't like he gets to go play basketball with everybody else I don't mm-hmm. think that's how that happened and also he wasn't in prison very long because he had a heart attack shortly after he was locked up so mm-hmm. he didn't get to even be in prison that long to try to get to a situation where he could 
get his fantasies off or, yeah. you know, fulfill his urges and everything like that. But that was my affirmative murder this week. That's crazy. Uh, the, the Kansas City Butcher, also known as uh, Robert Berdella, former er- owner of Bob's Bazaar Bazaar. I wonder what happened to his shop. It's like I said, it's Kansas City, so that's probably still there. Or mm-hmm. at least they ride by it and like that that was where the Kansas City butcher used to own a shop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if anybody's listening who lives in Kansas City, I'm sorry to keep dissing your town, but <laughs> other than, you know, Pat Mahomes, you guys were irrelevant and you know, for the last thirty years. That's yeah. as far as I'm I don't know much about Kansas City. So um anyways, uh oh, getting a FaceTime. Uh anyways, uh Fran, are you ready? Yep. Okay, cool. Let's do this then. And now, it's time for True Crime's Hottest Game Show. Frazzle! Fran! Frazzle Fran, Frazzle Fran, solves a riddle like no one can. If he fails, that's okay, he's a superstar either way. Look out, it's time to Frazzle Fran. That's right, folks. Welcome to another episode of Frazzle Fran, the hottest true crime game show in all of the land. This is the, On this game show, I try to fluster, flummox, and frustrate my partner in true crime, Franco Evans, by giving him mysteries to solve. Fran, are you ready? Yep. All right. <clears throat> Your case this week. Stevie weighed about 100 pounds and stood about five feet tall. He didn't speak English and could not see. He wasn't able to walk, but he could run. He was spotted last January in Eli, Minnesota, but disappeared a few days later, never to be seen again. Fran, who is Stevie and why did he disappear? Your clues? Stevie often made people smile. Stevie smoked a pipe and never said a word. Stevie was a large person. And Stevie perished in the snow. Fran, who is Stevie and why did he disappear? I read again. Stevie weighed about 100 pounds and stood five feet tall. He didn't speak English and could not see. He wasn't able to walk, but he could run. He was spotted last January in Eli, Minnesota, but disappeared a few days later, never to be seen again. Fran, who is Stevie and why did he disappear? What was the clues? please Stevie often made people smile Stevie smoked a pipe but never said a word Stevie was a large man Stevie perished in the snow hmm this is a movie reference or no hmm um he was large, but he was 100 pounds and was five foot tall. Right, that's what you mm-hmm. said. Yeah. Um. And what was the question? Who is he? Yeah, who is Stevie, and why did he disappear? A snowman. Because of the summertime, he melted. God damn it! <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> God damn it! Oh, fuck! <laughs> oh, damn it, damn it. Yes, yes, that is right. Stevie was a snowman who melted. Uh, Hey, man, look. 
I have a, I have a plan I go through. While you read, I close my eyes and just run all, run all the clues through my brain. What are you saying? You're a computer? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> all right, cool. So Fran the computer has uh, not been frazzled once again. I, it, it, this is a streak unlike anything else. Uh, Serena's, you know, the number of Wimbledon she's won, Tiger's hot streak back in the early 2000s, LeBron James, eight straight finals. We got to put Fran up there. This is pretty insane. He has not been frazzled in 2019. Nope. At this point, I can do nothing but give him his respect, even though I am furious. Uh, you have not been frazzled. Please, uh, the floor is yours to send us off and, 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 and uh, send, send us into the next episode. I have nothing else to say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, right now, so people going to hear this before they hear the next episode. Yeah. You're not looking too good right now, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So uh, I know they they don't they don't understand it now. But they will. But they will, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. But um it's been another episode of the Furniture Murder. Man, I hope you enjoy your trip. Thank you very much, sir. Um send me some pictures. Absolutely. Have a good don't jump off cliffs because you only one foot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. But I hope you have a great time, you and the fam, and uh tell Les I said what's up. Does he listen to this? Yeah. He does. What up, Les? You wanna hear you wanna hear some singing? Nope, not gonna sing for you. Um, I got excited for a second. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's another episode of Furniture Murder. This is your co-host, your co-host, F Raw. No, we don't call me that. Yeah, Francel. And this you did F Raw though, because you have a child. Uh, anyway, uh, never mind. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll see you guys next week. Uh, later. Deuces. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park